I'm Andrew O'Hagan, host of a new podcast from the London Review of Books. It's about the bloodiest and most controversial event of the Falklands War, the sinking of the General Belgrano. Margaret Thatcher was accused of a war crime. The truth would only emerge in the pages of a private diary. This is the Belgrano Diary. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the London Review Bookshop. So um, I think we're going to start with a few poems. Okay. okay, thank you. I feel like I should introduce someone now. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Jean. It's a pleasure to be um, sharing a platform with you. And thank you all for coming. This is one of the first readings from this book. Uh, I was just saying to Jean, one of the odd things about that is I haven't got my preambles for all the poems sorted out yet because they tend to come after a number of readings. And after a while, if you read with the same people, you get you, you steal yourself for the joke in the preamble. But anyway, some of these have barely got preambles, and I'll just um, go straight into them. A couple of them I can give you a bit of a heads up as to what's going on. But they're all 15 lines, so one thing you know is that they, they won't last long. Um, I'm going to read about five now. Um, about, I say about, just to give you confidence that I've got the whole thing planned. Um, the book is bookended by two mirror poems. Uh, the first one is called World into Fragments, and the last one is called Fragments into World. So everything between takes place in a sort of collapsed, uncertain place. Um, and I'm going to bookend the reading in that way as well. So this is World into Fragments. Small breaks first, cup on marble floor, mirror on staircase, cracked watch face, hairlines in roof tiles, then it escalates. Plate windows shiver into diamonds, smoked office towers fold into tobacco heaps, screens give way to white noise, then blow. Reasons for this shattering include too great attention, too much shrill, a world more fragile than we thought, yet still it goes, ear-splitting, as great forests disassemble like mosaics, sugar-glass trees turn shingle, then the sky, sun and moon as vast burst bulbs, hot torrential hail, and when it stops, we see for real, as if through mud and spit. Uh, anyone who's um, seen any of my other books knows I, I have a, a kind of lazy habit of repeating titles in books. Um, and it happens in this one as well. There's several poems called Something and Nothing. Um, 
and this is one of them. There is a dancer in the woods outside. I can hear her at night among the mink and musk deer, redolent of truffles, needles, no song. The only sound, a twist and slide of bare feet on the iced leaf bed, her breath quickening on the breeze. Such is her reverie, she has not seen the sea fold to the icebreakers, gritter trucks salting the roads. I hear her even through shutters, blackout blinds and sash panes, even through the steady steep of snow. I smell her sparks on tinder pines, and I go to her, since I know no better. It's a poem called Antarctica, and um, the starting point from this was a, a childhood sense of what Antarctica was, because I suppose in my kind of late childhood, um, my mother started doing uh, some ancestral research in the hope that if she went back far enough, she'd get beyond the, the mill workers into into something uh, worth boasting about. And she found a tangential connection to um, uh, uh, Captain McMurdo, who discovered McMurdo Sound, uh, apparently. And we are, in some sense, related to him, although I'm, I'm not entirely convinced. But um, this meant that Antarctica has always had a sort of mythic... Um, place in our home as something we have a connection with, like a sort of homeland, bizarrely. Um, and so this is about that, that sort of bizarre other Antarctica. Antarctica is sleeping now. Its bright fields intercut with suburbs, ordered rows of clapboard homes, pin-sharp backyards, all ablaze with jasmine and magnolia. Its citizens are freer than the rest of us, living off star fruit from the ice forests, bleached quails that ripen in the milk orange groves. No one sleeps alone here, and only fishermen dream of wax-white orcas, blind and red-eyed, circling under ice sheets swept by catabatic winds. Of course, this is not true Antarctica, where clutches of tough scientists cross dates off charts. No, this is Alta Antarctica, home to sibling selves. Once a month, they send a greyhound to the brink where ice peters into water. Then the dog pelts back. The time it takes gives them a reading of the future. read two more and then we'll have a conversation this this one explains itself I hope you can tell me afterwards if it doesn't Hitchcockian the birds are taking over not in rows on high wires chittering on roofs at passers-by fixing a lone child with their red-ringed sinkhole eyes not by massing on our window sills at dawn and tap tap tapping with the urgency hunger blunt sense of the wild not with a skirl and swoop like smoke cut loose from fire but with a single egg inside each one of us lodged in the fold between lungs not felt until the break la petite mort 
when shell cracks and a song begins, an airless, blood-borne trill, a pulse, a stretch of wing, which may be done wren, bird of paradise, dull rook, and none of us can know what kind is ours, nor even know for sure it's there, this skitter, this arrhythmia, this restlessness, this ache that makes you walk out, mid-meal, steal a car, and disappear. And I'll finish this section with another poem that I hope kind of introduces itself. This is called Excise Me. So shattered is my heart from endless pounding at my chest wall to get out that I give in one summer dawn and cut then lift it. Cupped in my hands like a half-caught bird, it cools and stills. I place it on the sill to keep it warm and lie down on my bed to take stock of this new thoracic calm. Hours pass, then weeks. The sun through glass dries my heart into a peach stone. Another day, I think, just one more, to be sure I will recall this stasis so deep I can hear huge clouds of blind fish under ice sheets, spiders in the leaf mould of distant forests, your thoughts. Thanks, Michael, for that first taste from the book. Would you like to read us another sure. few poems? Sure. Okay. One one of the voices that one of the, the those voices those kind of tones that's there in the in the psalter in the psalms, which is notoriously quite difficult to deal with, is um, the the sense of who they are and who we are, the 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 otherness of the others, the foreignness of the others, the enemies. Um, and there are several poems in which I tried to explore that, address that, and this is one. It's called The Others. Other people wake up, wash, blink out at icy wastes or plumes of steam. Some are scared by what they have to do today. They dress in other people's many ways. Shirt first, shirt last, no shirt at all, and some resent the clothes they have to wear. If you were there to see them, you would mark the way they thread their buttons through, the moo they give the mirror as they leave. Thoughts of other people are opaque, the weather in their souls a mystery. Some, from restive nights, are slow to rise. Being other, they have not met you yet, but some, with time and chance, could love you, if you would let them get that close. And there's a series of, um, there's a sequence of poems, not set out as a sequence, but dotted through the book, um, set in a hotel. Uh, again, I seem to have an, a kind of recurring obsession with hotel rooms, um, which I try to interrogate too closely. But I, th I think it's it's partly to do with the idea that they're not home, they're nobody's home, 
that sense of a, a, a transient place. Um, but uh, there, there was also a, a happy coincidence of a commission in the middle of making this book um, to respond to uh, an evening of music by the Manchester Camerata. Um, and they, one of the pieces they were playing was Britain's uh, Illumination, based on the, the Rambo poems. And he has this image in the poems of the Hotel Splendide. So I wrote this sequence of poems about the Hotel Splendide. And the last piece of preamble I'll give you on this poem is called Animal of Light. And the Animal of Light is a, a phrase used in, in later life, uh, probably to, to confuse rather than elucidate, I think, by Pablo Neruda uh, as a self-portrait. He was asking, how do you see yourself now in retirement? I am an animal of light. That instant in the Hotel Splendide when you pulled the cord to let that high window help you find your earrings, button up your dress, you loosed into our room an animal of light, a filament so fine and quick you never saw it. One blink, ill-timed, and I had lost it too. I know it came to search us and to show us what we kept unlit, the bruised fist of the heart, its inner walls, a cave art record of the beasts that made us hunter, hunted. Elver slim, it slid beneath my skin, rifled through the pockets of my lungs. I coughed, but no, it would not let me be. Worlds away from this, a dog waits in a cold hall, finds the one bright square of sun on tiles and sleeps in it. This is a gruesome, gruesome one called Aqua Freak Show. Between the firefish and the conga eels, your life suspended here in water. Too many spectators come back later, after hours when filter motors all you hear, then stand, head bowed, before your span, a hank kebabbed, turned in the artificial tide, your sum, your soul, your mother load. You watch the water loose life's hold upon itself as strands peel off, revealing naked wounds of love. Your years, like white fat, marbled on the raw reds of your terror. Keep watching as your life diffuses how the lightest meat makes up the core. I read. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. 
Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Two more, again, in this, this section. Um, okay. How to raise the dead. Words will not charm me from the open casket, serpentine and limber, loosening my maw, the better to bring you bulletins from outer space. And your question? It's much too late to ask it. Will you get an answer from this face of wax, thumbs up from an inert, unfurled claw? If there is a way, it must require huge pressure Immeasurable heat, primal forces of creation, skull-cleaving noise, tectonic shifts. But the morning lies as cold and clear as ever. Hoarfrost represents the dull streets as a gift, the air alive with love and commerce. I'm cross-hatched with your texts, calls, prayers, yet none will wake me. Before I petered out, I felt a pang of hunger, herring, olives, bread, salt, oil. I might actually just read. I just noticed the street outside the window is the street where I had the idea for one of these poems, and I've forgotten it was actually that street. So... If you bear with me for a second, I will try and find that poem because it seems like it's probably the only time I'll be able to read this poem within sight of the street where I had the idea. But um, it may just take me a moment because I don't know my way about around this book yet because it's fairly new. Hang on. Um, okay, what I might do, I'll I'll leave it in the la I'll put it in the last section if I can't find it now, rather than do live indexing. Um, okay. I'll finish this section then with um, a poem called What the Body Cannot Hold. I regard myself as, let's say, Tokyo. Familiar, yet other. Secure, yet shaken, with a soul no longer inner and essential, not some copper thread that runs through every vein and holds me, keeps me of a peace. Instead, spirit as lucent conurbation, a city ill-defined by parks, plaques, boulevards, but found in multiples of touch, think, speak. Sit with me under flowering cherries, now, in spring, their blossom heads are fine-tuned instruments to pick up every subtle shift, a falling out of love, a tilt from youth to age, and all my cells are cities too, stand under lime, palm, elm, in Vilnius, Krakow, Cairo, meet me there. I still can't find that poem. That will be that will be the, um, the 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 lyric failure of tonight. My my inability to find that poem. 
I have to learn my way around this book. You'll forgive me, it's an early reading. Um, okay, here's a poem. Uh, again, I think it fairly explains itself, but it's about that, that impulse that I think is quite prevalent now and that I'm tempted to myself, that there's some original self or culture um, that we can get back to that will show us the way forward. And this is a poem called The Road Retaken. Walking backwards into the desert, your neck aches from its owl swivel and your calves and ankles seize. You divest yourself of gadgets and accoutrements, then garments, naked for a while until the hair crops up all over. Reversing through suburbs, you bump into signs, parked cars, some truck near wings you, and its driver gives a finger and a blast. So, out, past flower cellars, fields, then dirt tracks, cutting up your heels, you crouch, hunch, past the final fruit stall, tidy filling station, hitchhikers with cardboard signs, the shouts and jeers become incomprehensible to you. Keep on is all, until your ragged toes touch sand. You have forgotten all you ever knew. Books, doctrines, symphonies, whole cultures are unwritten. That hot breeze tastes of nothing. Turn round, drop to all fours, now run. There's a sequence of poems in here um, under the title, or the half-title, Portrait of the Psalmist. Portrait of the Psalmist in all kinds of different guises. So I'm going to read a couple of those. This is Portrait of the Psalmist in Utter Darkness. Not his absence, not him finding himself wept up on some far shore, leaving here an empty frame, life story with hole in the heart. This portrait is left intentionally blank, so you can add your own king, hero, waste of space, a legend in the local sense alone, perhaps, a question where the answers should have been. A heap of clothes draped on a throne, bent crown, a locked, unwindowed, silent room. On trust we take the presence of a man, the fact that he is crying still, his hands held out to us in desperate supplication. But this anti-incarnation need not keep us, not when you turn aside and see the glory of the lit now then smell it on your fingers. Portrait of the Psalmist as Ultra Singer I sing for fear I'll hear the still small voice and not like what it says. I croon to make my skull full as a squat hive, and the honey is my cracked song, my sting in the throat. Oh, I know a bee is not a melody, 
But I must come to terms with what it is that leaves me hoarse, that keeps my house awake all night. The one I love mouths, we are lost, behind my back, which means nothing. But this is what I fear the most. Listen, the unsung is unuttering, sucking back into itself, the inverse of words, an unworn ring. This is called On Grace. This is almost a praise poem. It's about as close as I get, I think. On Grace. The wolf at the door. It doesn't start like a praise poem. <laughs> On Grace. The wolf at the door heads a queue of houseflies, blowflies, mildew, mice, rats, rain, rot, looters, taxmen. All they need is time or a window left ajar. How thin. How brittle is the carapace of all this, bulked against the towering years. And yet, great oaks still pivot on the toe-tips of their shadows, in a day-long pirouette, in palace gardens no one visits. October ripens under leaf mould, ancient lime-washed walls grow warm in late, slant sun. A deer halts in a field alone. There are worlds out here to long for, and we are not lost yet. I'll read three more. This is called A Plea for Clemency. Quickly, come quickly, O agents of repair. The fisher king lies wounded, fields have run to rack. Woods are choked with frostbite, sun can barely rise, hungry curs are hunting, feral in their packs. Quickly, come quickly, O agents of repair. Quickly, work quickly, O engines of repair. Cars have come to gridlock, air is thick with flies, oligarchs and spinmen peer through tinted glass. The price of parts has risen, a run on teeth and eyes. Quickly, Work quickly, O engines of repair. Quickly, go quickly, O agents of repair. Balance good and evil on your subtle calculus. Stitch and salve the wounded, salt and sow the ice. Then slip away in darkness, so no one sees you pass. Quickly, go quickly, O agents of repair. Anyone heard of the mirror test for consciousness? This is apparently how one of the ways in which they test whether the level of consciousness of various species, you put them in front of a mirror and, and chain, put a mark on the face. Um, and then the, the ones that recognize it's their own face will try to get the mark off. This is, so this is called the mirror test. They bring us one by one, to face the glass, having marked us each with black ink crosses on the cheek. First bonobos pass, orangutans, then elephants and magpies. Self-awareness vivid in their angst about this new scar, testing it with tongue, trunk, wing. Me now, 
I stare into a temperate and muted world, wall with posters in a foreign script, tall windows, mountains rising to a coast. And in the middle of that other room, a man is buttoned up inside a woman's coat, his face marked like mine for some unstated sin, but on the other cheek. He pities me, leans in as if to speak, but before a word is said, they fail me, send me back into the jungle. And I'll finish with the other bookend poem, um, Fragments into World. Thank you very much for coming and uh, for listening tonight. Fragments into World. A note resolves. Hum becomes chime. The floor stirs and broken moon is combed from shattered sun in utter darkness. Then like wrong rain it falls up, gathers in the sky. Sunlit now, we see the devastation, watch as windows heal and pull together. Towers, palaces, museums rear up, dripping from the dry sea of themselves. Forests fan like spines from sharp seeds. Then the details. Clock faces turn limpid. Cups and mirrors form and seal. A recapitulation of the world we knew. So once again we walk and witness. Give thanks for the tangible and visible, but no one dares to sing a note, dig in a heel. Thanks, Michael. Thank you for joining us for this London Review Bookshop event. For more, visit our website at www.londonreviewbookshop.co.uk or search for the London Review Bookshop on iTunes.